I am ashamed because I know what Mr. Trump is. He is a racist, he is a con man, and he is a cheat. Who's a comment? Who's a cheat? What color is he? Is he orange? 45? 45? Welcome back to Goodnight Harlem. It's Avia. And it is Law. And for those of you who don't know, this is the show from the two transplants that live in the <laughs> wonderful area of Manhattan. I thought you were going to say from two trains to three trains. <laughs> I'm like, you right? <laughs> so as you guys can see, we just started our show with a little message from our- I don't know who that was. From, from our friend. Yeah, it's the voice of the future. <laughs> from our friend Michael Cohen. Um- we're going to get right into Hyper Good Nights. We're doing our regular standard show today. I am really happy. So uh, for those of you who are new to the show, Hyper Good Nights are our way of talking about trending topics. If we hype it, we like it. And if we dislike it, we good night it. And so we're going to start today's show with the Michael Cohen spilling the tea. Hmm. For those of you who aren't keeping up with the news, Michael Cohen is going in front of a grand jury and he is letting everybody know everything there is to know about Donald J. Trump and his affiliation with that man. Let's just talk about some of the things this guy said. He said Trump never expected to win the presidency and stood to make hundreds of millions of dollars on that deal. I love all the tea. We were all surprised. <laughs> Trump, you weren't the only one. We were right there with you. We were like, Nick, what? <laughs> Me. <laughs> Who the fuck is this? <laughs> what president is this? Um, Cohen said Trump once asked he once asked me if I could name a country run by black a black person that wasn't a shithole. This was when Barack Obama was president. He also said Trump claimed black people would never vote for him because they were too stupid. Wait, I'm confused. So was America a shithole just when Barack was running it? Or was it already a shithole prior to that? Asking for myself. <laughs> just asking for myself. I think that's why he ran. He wanted to make it great again. I think that's what it was. A, a greater shithole. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he made it. <laughs> and then on the final one. Uh, <laughs> Cohen said he overheard on a speakerphone on a call from a Trump ally, Roger Stone, to Trump during the 2016 campaign in which he was told emails damaging to Democrat foe Hillary Clinton were about to be dumped publicly by WikiLeaks. But there's there's only Cohen's word for this. And Cohen even admitted, he's like, I don't think the president knew what the fuck was in those emails, but he just knew there was a lot of emails. I only wanted to bring all this up to say, Avia, hyper good night to the hot tea being dropped by Cohen. Would you like there to be more? Or are you good with the tea that you already got? Uh, I'm going to hype the tea. <laughs> and I will hype it even more if I get more tea. Because, you know, I like seconds and thirds. You, know? <laughs> you, you can use a tea bag for at least like six, seven cups of tea. So. Can, not that many. Oh, yes, you can. Oh, God. If it's a good quality tea bag, not that Lipton 
a brisk whatever. Oh, don't do that to lift it. Don't do well, that. Then whole another conversation. Whole another. My tree bags be lasting for at least six six drinks, right? Um, I think we're on like cup number two. I feel like there's a lot more that's going to be unfolding. Um, and you know the thing that gets me is when I was watching this whole thing play out. There's a huge part of me that feels like he is truly sorry for what's happened. And then there's a huge part of me that wonders, is he just sorry because he's getting caught and he realizes how much this is impacting his family going forward. And it's almost like he's at this point where he's wondering, was this even worth it? And I think I came to that point when Elijah Cummings did the closing remarks and talking about keeping democracy intact and even like pinpointing like Cohen being a father of two daughters and Cummings being a father of two daughters and him saying, I know that just like broke your heart, just knowing that how much this whole situation is affecting your family. And I actually saw Cohen tear up at that point. And so I don't know, man, I, I feel like <laughs> it's at this point where he's not trying to save face anymore. He's just trying to save himself as much as he can. Right. If that means like I need to be a rat, as Cummings was saying, people or the president was calling him a rat, a snitch, whatever, then he's like, I'll be a rat then. Because at this point, it's my life over his. And one thing that he said that really got me was he said, My loyalty to Mr. Trump has cost me everything. My family's happiness, my my law license, my company, my livelihood, my honor, my reputation, Shit. and soon my freedom. That got me. At the point where you're saying your loyalty to the person who's running our country is costing you everything, how much should we be putting into this person? Ooh. And how much should we trust that they're going to put us in a safe position? That got to me. I'm like, damn. Trump is affecting you in a very intimate, specific way. Right. But he's effing up the whole country in a very broad way. You know right. what I'm saying? Another thing he said was, given my experience working for Mr. Trump, I fear that if he loses the election in 2020, that there will never be a peaceful transition of power. I was blown away by that. I'm like, so what are you saying? Trump's the same What are you saying? That's, There's an easy, gonna... that's an easy response. Trump's biggest thing is that the reason why he felt like he wasn't going to, he was putting this, he's using this rhetoric, but the reason why he didn't think he would win in the first place is because they would fix the election. Knowing goddamn well they don't fix the goddamn elections as a whole on a national level. You can do that on a smaller local level, but you cannot do that on a national goddamn level. You can't. So him perpetuating that was basically his way of saying, if I do lose, this is the reason why I'm going to lose. And he basically was stomping our democracy to the ground. In doing that, he was making the American people believe that even if he was to lose, it wouldn't just be because the people wanted him to lose. It'd be because a conspiracy. He's that guy. And so he but, would do the same thing in 2020. If he loses, he would make a mockery of our democracy. I, I, I Maybe I took it the wrong way. When he was saying there, ne there will never be a peaceful transition of power, I'm wondering how deep he is in with Russia that could impact anything that happens going forward. Meaning like if someone else gets into Trump's position in 2020, what kind of deal does he have with Putin? What's going to happen? What like really what, what kind of threat is going to be to our society if he's not in power anymore? And that's what I'm wondering. What kind of deals is he setting out right now 
to happen going forward if things don't go his way. And maybe I read that wrong, but that kind of struck a chord with me because I'm like, yo, I think he knows a lot more than he's leading. And I think it's going to eventually unfold. So hype, hype to that. Keep on, keep on, keeping on. Well, um, I'm, I'm just as hype as you are for the tea. I want all the tea. Bring more all tea the bags, All the bags. Um, I think a part of the reason why I love stuff like this is because he is a man at this point, as you kind of described lightly, he's at his wit's end. He has nothing else that he can lose. He's lost everything. So he has no reason not to squeal. Mm -hmm. However, he does have one reason why he probably should slow down on the squealing. He said something during his interview. So he did said two things that really like pressed me. The first thing I already mentioned, and that was about Trump not expecting to win. And now I'll, I'll, I'll come back to that. But the other thing was around the fact that right now, when he's in public, he cannot walk with his daughters or his wife. Yeah. He has to let them walk ahead of him so that people don't know that it's his kids and, they attack and his them. wife. Right. Exactly. And he's like, the way that Trump supporters are set up right now, it's in a way that they want to harm him. And they've sent him death threats. And this is the same thing that was happening in the Kavanaugh trial with the woman who was coming out and saying, Judge Kavanaugh did X, Y, Z to me. Mm -hmm. people, people right now, in the way that they're treating politics, is toxic. It's just toxic. I'm not saying that this isn't a part of American history and this wasn't the way things were before. But it's so openly blatant and just a disregard for just standard, I don't know, standard well-being of people. Like, you can't even walk down the street without somebody harassing you. Like, if I saw Kellyanne Conway today, I wouldn't be like, fuck you, you blah, blah, blah. I wouldn't do any of that. It's unnecessary. <laughs> if I saw Giuliani today, I wouldn't give him heat. Um, now, if I saw Trump in person, I would want to ask him questions, but I wouldn't be disrespectful. You want to have a conversation like Kanye? I want to have a real conversation, though. And I don't think you want the conversation with me. No, of course not. So then... Oh, he's a racist, remember? Hello? And a con man. So... And a cheat. <laughs> so here's where, I, here's where I leave this, this final point with it, though. Going back to the other point. Trump didn't expect to win the presidency. And I think that's something that really stuck out to me because... I've kind of been saying that since forever. I don't think he ever wanted to be president. He just thought that he was going to get millions of dollars after this for just talking and fees and people would pay to see him and this would like basically inflate his profile. That's how he was viewing this. Well, it did inflate his profile in a different way. And now he's in a position where he's controlling the largest or I should just say one of the largest one of the largest entities in the world, which is America. And he's impacting our day-to-day -day in a way that eventually might harm us long-term. So I'm going to leave this at this. I want to hear more about what other squealers have to say, not just Michael Cohen. I want to hear anybody else that's willing to squeal on him. And I hope this goes as far as it needs to go so that they out him and make people view him for what he is, a con man. And a piece of shit. Question for you, though. Before we move on to the next one, do you think that Michael Cohen being made an example of what could happen to you if you stick by Trump too long and get found out for the wrongdoings that you did, do you think that more people are going to 
be more open to coming out that were in the same position as him, maybe worked under him in some sort of capacity? Or you, do you think that they're going to be a little bit more hesitant to come out because they don't want the same thing happening to them? Republican senators and Republican governors have already proved that they don't want to oppose Trump because they don't want the heat of his base coming after them. Mm-hmm. So this is just going to reaffirm what they already felt. They're just going to wait till they get, they get caught then, basically. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's move on to the next subject. So for those of you who aren't aware, uh, HBO is releasing a new documentary called Leaving Neverland about Michael Jackson and two of the little boys that have alleged to have been molested by him when they were younger. Now, these two boys in a court of law years ago, while Michael was still alive, had stated during a trial that none of these things happened. (laughs) But uh, as of recently, they have uh, given their uh, the other side of the story and openly talked about what happened to them. And this documentary is supposed to go over all sides of it. They're supposed to go through what Michael Jackson told Uh, the prosecutors as well as what he talked to the cops about and what his lawyer statements were and then they're going to go and transition that back to the kids and what these guys feel like happened to them um through all that the the director saying that he's just trying to paint the brush of both sides of the story so what i want to hear from you avia is hyper good night are you going to watch this this coming sunday on hbo um good night um I think at some point I'll watch it, but I don't have HBO, so by default I won't be watching it. <laughs> what I really want to, what I really kind of want a good night is these these boys, and I, I feel like I shouldn't because it's not my place to. But I just don't at this point. I'm like, everyone needs to live their truth. I get that, and I understand that the statute of limits, are you about the victim blame? Because I understand that the statute of limitations. For something happening to you, there's there there is no limit at this point. They're changing laws in different states where you can actually sue people for uh, sexually sexual harassment, molestation, and everything like that. And they're everything's being expanded at this point. Um, I just don't know the why. I don't I don't understand the why. Um, I do want to watch it just to see if I can get more clarification, but I'm just. I don't know anymore. I really feel like I just don't know anything anymore. I'm I'm like Michael Jackson's not even here. He's I, I don't know. So I'm just good nighting it. Cause I just don't know. I don't know how to feel about it. Um I am gonna hype it. I'm not gonna watch it, but I'm gonna hype it because I want everybody to be able to get their story out. And if you guys feel like the story that you were told to tell when you were younger is not the full story, then you should be able to tell your story, regardless of that has repercussions with Michael Jackson's estate, regardless of him being dead. Your story is your story. Um, The director made it very clear what he's trying to uh, accomplish out of this. He wants to really allow the guys to tell both sides of the story. And one of the things that he said is their case in which the things that they are alleging happened um could very well have happened and it sounds like standard practice in exactly the way that a lot of abusers get their abusees to feel 
Hmm. Um, so the way that things were handled, he's saying this is standard. This is how things go. And they could have loved him in that process and not want anything to happen to him in that process, being so young. And so he's just saying he wants them their story to be out. Now, I am not the person that is going to cape for them in this one because I don't know what's true. None of us know what's true. But what I'm not going to do is condemn them for it because I'm the same person that wouldn't condemn the uh, the, the R. Kelly docu-series and the way that you know that was handled by a lifetime and how there's women that are talking about things that happened 20 plus years ago. I don't care. It happened. It happened. Your truth is your truth. Who am I to tell you that you shouldn't actually speak on these things, regardless if you went to court or not? Because right now, if Sparkle's niece went out of her way to say, yes, that was me on tape, I would be grateful. Oh, of course. I so, think, I, I honestly think that would be doing a service to everyone he's ever victimized if she came out. Because unfortunately for her, she is the reason why a lot of other people did not come forward. I think that had a lot to do with it. I think another reason why I'm, I'm like, I don't know how I feel about this whole Michael Jackson thing is ever since that whole Martin Bashir documentary came out living with Michael Jackson. I don't know if you remember a long time ago. I think it was like on ABC or something. Martin Bashir, British journalist, spent like eight months with Michael Jackson day in and day out. And he what what he was creating was was something that everyone thought, including Michael Jackson, a real life depiction of what Michael Jackson's life is, who he is as a person, how he's misunderstood. And then when you watch the documentary, he did everything to tear him down. And it's just like, wow, you really spent eight months of your life in life with him, someone who doesn't let people close to him just to tear him down and just to present him in a certain light that probably was not inaccurate because it was very one-sided and it made people point fingers at him even more and i didn't agree with that and so now at this point i think with everything michael jackson related i'm like man i don't know because people have intentions for everything and i'm not saying that and if you come out at this point you're wrong and why didn't you come out before none of that i just don't know and it's something that i don't even know how to respond to all right now we're going to move into R. Kelly. We have talked about R. Kelly so much. What a much. smooth transition. We have talked about R. Kelly so much. I'm sorry, guys. I'm hoping this is one of the final times to talk about him, but it's probably not. If this trial actually goes the way that it should and he actually has to go in front of a jury and then he's actually convicted of something, we're going to end up having to talk about this again. So I'm apologizing in advance for those other episodes. In this case, Avia... Hyper good night to R. Kelly being bailed out via a $100,000 payment from his friend, Valencia P. Love, who is the owner of a Christian daycare in Chicago. I would like to hear what you have to say about this first. Okay, I'll go first. I'll go first. Um, I am gonna, I'm going to hype night this, actually. As crazy as that sounds. Yeah. Nah, nah, nah. Yeah. Nah, nah, nah. Yeah. I'm hyping okay. this. And here's why. Let's go. On one end, the the good night portion of this is clearly, I don't want R. Kelly to be back out on the street. 
But R. Kelly was going to get out regardless because the payment was going to come through either Thursday or Friday for the 100K for him to That's do what, what he was going to do. That's what they say. That's what they say. Right. So I can't do anything about that, but I really would prefer him to be behind bars. Honestly, because I feel like at a certain point we have to go, hey, we can't let you continue to do what you're doing. They put restrictions around him where right now he cannot talk to anybody or I shouldn't say talk to anybody. Can't but be around can't anyone date, who's 18. He can't date or take anybody out that's 18. You said take anybody out. Yeah, like as in like on a no, date or anything. He can't be around them. Okay, fair. <laughs> and he also can't leave the country because they have his passport. So he can't actually do a show because right now in the States, nobody's really trying to allow him to do a show. Where I'm going to hype this is that woman says that they're friends. And she believes her friend. Now, she also stated, hey, if he did do what he did, then he should serve whatever the consequences is for that. But as a friend, I put the money up. I can't be mad at that because that's what real friends are supposed to do. Although I don't agree mm-hmm. with the person that she did it for. In theory, I can agree with that being what you do as a friend. And for what he's done in all the past revelations, I, I'm just disappointed that she would do it for him. The last part of this that I'm going to say is she is a walking contradiction. How can you on one end be the owner of a Christian daycare and then you're doing, you're putting money up in support of R. Kelly of all people? A daycare has little kids. Would you allow R. Kelly to come play with those little kids? Yeah, because that's her friend. That's her friend, remember? So you're all for her being his friend and you know, real friends do these things. Why would she not let him at her job? Oof. All right, Avia, what is your take on it? Um, I'm I'm good nighting her. Um <laughs> I can't even hype no parts of this. I don't care if she does claim to be his friend. There is a point where you must kind of separate yourself from the fuckery as a friend. And things are shady as hell with him. And they have been ever since before she became his friend. Because I don't think they've been friends for like 25 years. So as far as the jails thing is concerned, him walking and him posting bail, great. If he didn't post bail, who's to say he would have even had that money? They act like he would have, but even his own lawyer said he didn't have money. So I'm confused. Secondly... Well, don't you think what plays into that is that he owes $167,000. That's what I was about to get to. That's what I was about to get to. So when you have your friend contradicting your lawyer, that's a problem. Secondly, if he doesn't pay that $160K by March 6th, he'll be back in jail. And maybe that's where he is going to stay. Because we don't know what his financial situation is. He had to pay... Basically, his bond was set to 250k per person that's suing him, and that's how it got to a million dollars, which is insane. Um, I think what's interesting in this case is uh, Tia Ewing, who's a Fox News commentator. She had a 14-minute conversation with this woman, and she actually wrote down some of the notes that came about from this conversation. This woman went on to say. 
And this is a little snippet excerpt from it. He's not a monster. He's not. Look at all these priests. Why isn't anyone going after them? They're having a summon over that right now. Why isn't anyone focused on Kiara Coles, missing pregnant postal worker in Chicago, gone since October 2018? The media focused on Jamie Class. Kloss. I don't know if it's Class or Kloss. Why isn't anyone looking for Kiara? He's R. Kelly, and he's only been a gentleman to me. The prosecutors and attorney general need to be prosecuting the priests that were sleeping with the five and six-year-old children. Let him have his chance in court, blah, 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 prove he's innocent or guilty. That kind of deflection is the same deflection I said and mentioned in our last episode that Amanda Seals had for Jussie Smollett. Why are we focused on Jesse Smollett? We need to be focused on R. Kelly. Now we have R. Kelly's friend talking about why are we focused on R. Kelly? We need to be focused on these priests. At the point where you're deflecting from the matter at hand, and all situations are horrible. Police molesting five and six-year-olds are bad. R. Kelly molesting adults and children are bad. Jesse Smollett lying for personal gain and making black and gay people look bad and, and not credible is bad. There's no reason to deflect from what is actually happening. And at the point where you're doing that, you're watering down the movement. Like, what are you doing? And that's why I lost respect for Amanda Seals when she did that. The same thing, I don't have any respect for this woman who claims to be his friend. How can I have any respect for anyone who is aiding him and continuing his predatory behavior? As Amanda Seals would say. I, I like that you just brought that up. And I don't want to take away from your larger point. But D.L. Hughley on February 23rd at 12.52 p.m. I'm just going to read this tweet that he put out. He said, if R. Kelly was a Catholic priest instead of just a regular pedophile, he wouldn't be indicted right now. D.L., bro, don't move the goalpost. Leave it where it's at. Why are you deflecting from what's happening? That's an unnecessary deflection. You legit, and, and don't get it twisted, I respect DL as a comedian, but some of his social commentary has me questioning what the fuck is going on with his mind. This man vilified Terry Crews and vindicated R. Kelly. What the fuck are you doing? And that's the thing. That's what I'm saying. And this is why I had a huge issue with Amanda Seals. And I, I didn't really say everything that I wanted to say in the last episode because I just forgot. But, like, she's so big on us people, us as a community, as a black community, um, being each other's business and saying, well, you know, if someone's out of line, we need to keep them in line because we need to keep ourselves intact and like, you know, better ourselves and wanna, we, want, we should want that for everyone else as well, just to be a tight community. At the point where you're deflecting to protect somebody, and I feel like that's what she did with Jesse, I'm like, you are a walking contradiction. And I can't even like clap it up for anything you say right now because you are becoming the very person that you shun in all of your IG stories. And this is what this woman is doing. This woman also has a restaurant. Um, when I say this woman, I mean the Valencia Love woman, who's R. Kelly's bestie now. Um, she also has a restaurant called Love on the Blue, which is in like the South Side of Chicago. Those comments on Yelp, after they found out that she was the person behind getting him out of jail, they had to shut everything down because 
everyone was like, this is a great restaurant. This is a great brunch spot. And then all of a sudden the comments became, never coming here again. I'm not supporting anyone who supports a child molester. And at the point where you're looked at as supporting a child molester and you want to wait for court to tell you if he's one or not, that's a problem. You should, I honestly believe at the point where we're letting court tell us if someone is something or not, no matter if they did it or not, I think that's the bigger issue. What Laws. do you mean? Court what do you is corrupt. What do you mean? Court because, is corrupt. Oh, well, then, so then shouldn't we be on the two boys' side that are releasing the I HBO was not against them. I was just like, I don't really, I don't know, really I know really what to, like, I don't, I don't really, really, like, I don't really like know what to think about it because I don't really know what to think about anyone who has an agenda with Michael Jackson. Um, but what I'm saying is, and me, I guess, serving on a jury at some point helped me realize things even more. It's not about, and this is this is what they say, it's not about if the person did it or not. It's about if the prosecutor can prove that they did or did not do it. That is what court is. So even if you have an inkling that they did it, if they did not prove, if they did not show just cause as to why this person is guilty or, or innocent, that is what you have to go off of. And that's why I say court is faulty. All right. All right. We're going to move on to the next subject. We spent way too long on Hyper Good Nights already. That's why we can't talk about R. Kelly anymore. <laughs> In our final Hyper Good Night, Avia, Hyper Good Night to Jordan Woods telling her side of the story on Red Table. Oh, God. Uh, I'm a good night. It, if she does actually do this, I will be watching because I love... <laughs> so why are you good night in this if you're gonna watch? Because it? I watch every single one of the Red Table talks. So for me to say, oh, well then I'm you not can rebel on. against this one and not watch it. But I watch you're all good of night them. in it because you're not wanting to hear. I, it. What I'm good nighting is I don't think. First of all, I really don't think that it's gonna happen. I think she posted this little promo video of her walking stage, walking t- to the table, sitting down and looking serious. I, I feel like if that's the promo for Red Table Talk, okay, cool. If not, then that was Jaden, and you went over to Jaden's house because you're besties with him, and Kylie's not your friend anymore. You need someone to talk to, and they just put that up to see what kind of reaction you're going to get. I don't know. I'm kind of like, look, Jesse fucked me up. I don't know what to believe anymore. I don't know if this is Kris Jenner, and this is all part of her little agenda to get Jordan popping in some sort of twisted way. I don't know if Jordan's actually going to be on Red Table Talk. We're not going to know till Friday. Um, I'm just going to goodnight the whole thing because I don't like being confused. And that's who I am right now. Uh, I'm hyping this because I want all You're the tea. You're not even going to watch it. I want all the tea. You don't even have Facebook. I don't have to watch it on Facebook. Yes, you do. There is always a means and there's always a way. To watch the full episode, you got to be on Facebook. I'm not going to watch the full episode. Okay. I only want the five you only to read six the minute. Gotcha. No, I only want the five to six minute segment that tells me what the hell went on. Oh, my God. That's it. I don't need the rest of this. I can't wait. Give me all the tea. You're, you're a horrible subscriber. Give me the give to me news. all the tea. I can't wait. <laughs> you said give me all the tea, but I want the headlines. No. I want the give, five or six me. minutes of the thirty minute program. But give me tea, all the tea. The thing is, the thing about the tea is there is good there's good portions of the tea and there's eh, portions of the tea. Like when you trying to just get your initial sip, you're like, ah, this is too hot for you me to actually enjoy. You gotta watch the whole episode too, to wait, know which too, part of the tea you're getting. This is too hot for me to actually enjoy. I want it to like simmer down so that I can like actually. I need get an there. ice cube. Yeah, let that let that, let that sizzle on your spirit. That's what how about this? We'll log into Facebook and we'll watch it together. 
and we'll do a, a reaction video. <laughs> <laughs> you want to do that? We'll try. Okay. I'm not no promises on my end. All right. All right. Let's let's move on from that. Uh, now the next piece of the show is. I think my my second favorite part of the show. Black is, Card Revoke. And for those of you who don't know that what Black Card Revoke is, we, either me or Avia, ends up talking about the reason why we would need our Black Card Revoke. That would mean we're doing something that the rest of the culture would go, ooh, I don't like that. So, today is my day. Um, mine is fairly simple. This is gonna be the quickest black car revoke I ever do in my entire life. And this stems from a conversation that I was having with a relative. Um, we were talking about something very specific. And for those of you who don't know, I'm not really a religious person like that. But what I do is I respect people's religion. And so I don't I don't condemn anybody for any of their religious beliefs. I don't care what it is. But one thing that I will say is when Thanksgiving is around or there's an event or, you know, there's just food in general. Something normally happens when there's food laid out amongst black people. And that thing is a prayer. I just want to go on a record and say, I'm done with all prayers before meals. All of it. Because any prayer that lasts longer than 30 seconds, I'm out of it. I'm out. I don't know if you didn't talk to him the day before, earlier in the morning, if you didn't let him know before this to have a blessed day and bless this, this. Like, you could have got all that out before. Anytime you go longer than 30 seconds, I'm like, you do have to realize the audience that you're talking to. You're talking about Generation Y and Z. You can't tell me you believe that we're actually paying attention to you outside of the first 30 seconds. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> I create commercials for a living. The most of the commercials are now six to ten seconds. Motherfucker, you are doing a traditional story art commercial that's longer than 30 seconds. You give me a full fucking infomercial with a prayer. What are you doing? <laughs> wow. <laughs> On average, the average attention span for millennials is a whopping 12 seconds. Gen Zers, on average, their attention span is a disappointing eight seconds. And it's only going to get lower and lower. Do you know what that means? By the time you get through your first piece of the story, I'm like, yo, this prayer is all. I'm I'm probably already asleep. I'm thinking about what I'm going to put on the food. Man, y'all got to chill. All I'm saying is if you can't condense your prayer to less than 30 seconds, you just need to keep it the shit to yourself. Sometimes when the Holy Spirit gets it, it gets it. You can't no, control the time frame. No, keep shit to yourself. I think uh, what you should do when someone goes longer than 30 seconds or whatever the time frame is, you should create a commercial. <laughs> You do it for a living. You should just create like a commercial, you know, like a little break for the prayer. No, they can at get the 30 second prayer. mark, I want to go, Lord, did you hear them? Did you hear them? Like, just go, Grace. Let's say Grace. Grace. All right, let's eat. That's it. And that that is my black card. I agree with you. Day. When you're hangry, you ain't got time for all that. God understands. God understands. He knows. He knows you more than you do. Right? That's what the Bible said. I know I know some of y'all gonna be condemning me for that and I'm fine. I'll take Damn. all of that. They, they calling you a heathen over there. <laughs> now let's transition into our main topic. Today we have a very heavy topic and I, I like these kind of days because it gives us an opportunity to give you guys insight into how we think and give you guys even more clarity into our own day to day experiences as being 
uh, you know, and I hate using this term, but black people in America. Oh, wait, you I hate really using do. the term I hate, I, I black people in America? Black. I hate using the term black in general. Oh. I really do. I hate the word African-American. I hate black. Like, these categorizations POCs are ridiculous. in America. I've never met a white person that goes, oh, I'm a European-American. <laughs> I've never met a... Because they don't have to. All of it's weird, though. I know. I get it. It's weird. In fact, they actually... We're just people. They identify the, themselves normally based on where their family is from because they have that context and that history because it well, wasn't stripped. That's from why we got to say They're black like, people. I'm Polish. I'm blah, 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 blah. I'm blah, blah. Like... I'm just out here. I'm American. Whatever that is. Exactly. <laughs> My ancestors were raped and pillaged. Oh, anyway. Lord. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to start on this heavy note here. Um, so if you don't want to listen to this, just fast forward to the end. Um, so I, I feel like in, you know, this is our last episode of Black History Month. Um, and I want to talk about an experience that happened to me on... Super Bowl, the night of the Super Bowl. And I want to hear your honest thoughts, you know, as I'm telling my story, what you're thinking along the way, La. Yep. Um, so basically, Always. I'm at my friend's crib in Super Bowl. She has a get-together in Brooklyn. And, you know, everyone's chopping it up. Mind you, I know maybe half the people there. The other half of the people, I don't know. I've never seen them before. Um, I don't know their relation to each other, whatever the case. Um, and... So, you know, the game got boring, as everyone knows, and nobody was scoring any touchdowns. And so at some point I found myself in the kitchen and I was talking to this guy. I think he was a gay guy. I don't know. He was a little flamboyant or whatever. But uh, we were cracking jokes during the game. And then when we were in the kitchen, we got into a deeper conversation. We were talking about our jobs and like things we want to do and aspirations and stuff like that. And for me, I'm a jokester. So when I first meet you, I may crack a joke. And that may subconsciously be my way of gauging to see if you can handle my type of humor. Yep. Um, and with him, we had the same type of humor. So I could say something, he would laugh. I, he would say something, I would laugh. And we just understood that, right? Um, so at some point, the game ended. And we're all just chilling, listening to music, watching music videos. And... Um, I, I'm sitting like near the guy. I forgot his name. Let's call him Jason. I'm sitting near the guy and we're talking and chopping it up or whatever. And then all of a sudden, Drake's song nonstop comes on. His video comes on. And so at the part where he's like, um, I'm a bar spitter, I'm a hard hitter, I'm light skinned, but I'm still a dark nigga, right? That's the bars. Right. <laughs> So, Bars. so when he says I'm light skinned but I'm still a dark nigga, the thing that I said to Jason, I was like, "Don't you just love the fact that Drake makes music for light skinned men?" I was like, "He's making music for y'all. Like y'all don't get no shine anymore." And here comes Drake making lines for y'all. Only you can say that line, really. You know what I'm saying? And so he was he starts cracking up. I'm like, I appreciate that about Drake. He's a light skinned key sweat. Like he always like puts those little jabs in, right? Where he's like hyping himself. 
And so I was like, Drake is the only person making music for light-skinned men. I was like, that's cool, because y'all always get, like, torn up in these memes and, like, oh, you're acting light-skinned, and it's always, like, this bad thing or whatever. Sensitive, emotional. Right. For those of you who don't know, there's the Acting light-skinned yeah. is, in, in the context of someone acting light-skinned, is that they're highly sensitive, overly emotional, right. emo, draken, you know, all that. Marvin. Yep. Think of Marvin's room. When you think of Drake, right? I'm just saying you can do better. <laughs> anyway, continue. So, you know, we light-skinned men have transitioned from like this Chico DeBarge suave debonair to, oh, they're just so sensitive, which I find that to be interesting. And so I was giving him props. I'm like, look, you can, you know, this is your thing. You know, Drake did this for you. And we're joking about that. There's this girl who had been sitting near the window the whole time, um, near this other guy. And she, I didn't know what her nationality was. I would probably guess it to be Latina. I couldn't really tell, right? So she's light-skinned. Yeah, but... Fair-skinned. Yeah, she's a fair-skinned Latina from what I aesthetically saw her to be. Got it. Right. So at the point where I'm telling him like, oh yeah, you know, we're talking about Drake. He's like, yeah, but my friends don't think I'm light-skinned. And I'm like, what do you mean? I was like, no, you're definitely light-skinned. <laughs> he's like, no. They'll, he's like, we actually had this conversation the other day, and they told me I wasn't light-skinned. They told me I was, like, brown-skinned. I was like, nah, you're, like, one shade darker than me, and I, all my friends make fun of how light I am. I was like, you're definitely light-skinned. I put my arm up to his, and I'm like, yep, you're light-skinned. <laughs> okay. That's a quick test. So all of a sudden, this girl pops up. We'll call her Latina. Okay, so we got Jason and Latina. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Let's call her Sin. Wow. Sin okay. Santana. We got, Jen and, we got Jason and Sin. <laughs> All right, so Sin comes up, and she kind of came up out of nowhere. I and, wasn't even paying attention. And, and, and wait, wait, wait. So you, already, I'm gonna I'm gonna safely assume she's been listening to you guys this whole conversation. She's been kind of hedging her bets and being like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, what are they talking about?" And then she probably comes over with an energy that you're not expecting. Well, I at that time I didn't realize all that was happening, but now looking back, I can say that that's what happened. Okay, continue. Because <laughs> mind you, I didn't even know she came up. Right, I'm just talking to Jason. Oh, I'm like, so, I have so tunnel you didn't vision. Even see her pull up. No, this makes it. Oh, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> you mad. <laughs> Okay, continue. Yo, Sin came up in the Tesla. I didn't even hear her come through, right? <laughs> she was quiet. So he's like, yeah, all my friends say that I'm brown-skinned. I'm like, no, you're definitely light-skinned. You know, put my arm up. At the time I put my arm up, I'm like, I was like, don't listen to your friends. They don't know what you're talking about. I was like, you're definitely light-skinned. I was like, I don't know what the problem is. She jumps into the conversation, and she was like, oh, what are y'all talking about? And I just repeated what I said to him, to her. Like, I kind of gave her background. And she was just like, oh, okay. So you said don't listen don't listen to his friends. Like, they don't know what, they don't know what they're talking about. And I was just like, yeah. Because I was like, he's clearly light-skinned. Like, I don't know what the problem is. <laughs> like, <laughs> so clearly she's probably one of his friends and she's taking offense to this. Thank you. So then she was like, well, at the point you say that, you coming for me. And all of a sudden, she goes from zero to 100 real quick. And I'm not trying to be like Drakey all up in this topic but she literally went from zero to 100 <laughs> zero to 100 real quick. um and she was like well you coming for me then so she's like i don't even want to hear it i don't even want to hear it and she goes on and on and at some point i, I blanked out because i'm like wait what's happening because she starts yelling at me like 
out of nowhere. And I'm like, wait, why are you yelling at me? Like, I don't even know who you are. I'm like, wait, what? Did you ask her? Like, what do you say? Or do you just let her go? No, I'm letting her go because I'm trying to understand what she's saying so I can know how to respond. But okay. I'm like, I'm still not understanding what she's saying because she goes all through her family line talking about all the people in her family that are dark skin and black and my daughter's black my daughter's dad is black da, 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 uh, da. she starts talking about her skin tone and i'm like okay i was like but what does that have to do with what we're talking about she's like no you did didn't. you say that yeah i love you because it had nothing to do with what <laughs> me and him were talking about Dude, she's so lucky i wasn't there <laughs> oh god oh i wish you were there oh, i god. wish i wish yeah, she would not have kept that same energy oh she probably would the way she no. was going off no. Um, and we I'm don't want curt. we don't want light skin, brown skin on light skin uh, violence. Wait, but here's the problem: <laughs> if there's gonna be no violence. I no, it would no. be verbal violence to her because she thought I was attacking her. I guess there would be no attacks either. I'm too curt. You have to understand. I didn't attack her either, but the way she was well, acting was like I was attacking technically her. You did how? Because you're saying don't listen to your friends, and that to her feels like a at jab. The, okay, but at the point where I didn't know. And this is why I said to her, I was like, I'm sorry. I didn't know you were his friend. I was like, I'm sorry. I haven't spoken to you all night. I don't even know your name. I don't know who's, what the relationship is amongst everyone in this room. So don't come at me like I knew you were his friend and I'm telling him don't listen to you. And that's where I feel like she flew off the handle way too yep. soon. Yep, fair. Um, and that's what I said to her, but she wasn't listening to me. And so then I was like, all I'm saying is that he's light-skinned. That's all I'm saying. I was like, do you know what that means? I was like, back in the day, you were considered light-skinned if you passed the brown paper, ba paper bag test. I was like, no one said anything about who's black in your family. No one said anything about you. And so... She was like, no, no, you're coming for me. And she just kind of kept repeating herself. She's like, you and I are light-skinned. He, da-da-da. I'm like, oh, my gosh. This conversation has taken a turn, and I don't know why, because I don't want to have a conversation about who's light-skinned. That's not what the original conversation was about. And now it's become that, and she's trying to control the narrative of this conversation with her anger. But wasn't the conversation about if he was light-skinned or not? It was. That was the premise of the conversation. No, the conversation was about Drake making music for light-skinned people. That was the original conversation. No, but what the, the piece of the conversation that she came in on, which is why she overreacted, was the fact that you were saying that he is light-skinned and that his and friends are was, wrong. And she was making it a fight, and it wasn't even a debate. It was literally like me saying, this is what it is. He's saying, well, my friends say this, and me saying, well, they're wrong. And she escalated it to... I'm coming for her and I'm coming for her family and her dark skinned baby daddy and her dark skinned daughter and whatever the case is. And so I was like, okay, just really confused. Right. At some point she gets tired of yelling at me and she gets up to go to the bedroom where my friend's uh, bed was with all of our jackets on it. And she's like ready to go. All her friends follow her. I didn't even know these were her friends until they followed her. I'm like, oh, I guess she's mad. I guess she's leaving now. She's so, big mad. Right, right. And so okay. Jason was like, don't even worry about it. He was just like, look, I'm sorry. You know, I was like, no, I'm sorry. I was like, did I strike a chord? I didn't even realize, you know, I said something wrong. I didn't know I was going to have a fight with a light-skinned person about being light-skinned. Kind of weird. Um... And he was just like, no, sometimes she just gets like this. Like very understanding of who his friend was. And there must have been something that I was unaware of that he understood. Right. Right. So at some point he gets up, he goes to the back room 
and uh, they come out kind of one by one ish. And Sin comes out first, and she has her jacket on. She's sitting on the couch where she was uh, attacking me originally, and she's like facing the other direction away from where I am, clearly upset. So I'm like, you know what? She is the walking embodiment of Drake music. I'm upset. <laughs> and zero to 100 real quick. What else you got? <laughs> She's light-skinned, but she still a dog nigga. The way she came at me, I was like, whoa. <laughs> so, <laughs> and so um, I felt like this was my opportunity to walk over to her and basically extend an olive, olive branch, apologize for whatever misunderstanding, because I didn't feel right about the conversation. Um, apologize for whatever misunderstanding where she felt like I was attacking her and get some sort of clarification. I just wanted understanding. Like I said, I hate being confused. Okay. So I walk over to her. I was like, excuse me, can we talk for a minute? Uh-huh. And she was like, yeah. And I was like, look, I apologize for any sort of miscommunication that you may have had in you thinking that I was coming for you. Nobody was coming for you. I was like, I can honestly say I did not know your relationship to him until you came over yelling at me. Uh-huh. I was like, I don't know how you expect me to know that relationship, considering the fact that I never spoke to you not once tonight, uh-huh. nor have you with me. And I don't understand why you came at me in that sort of way. No, but what I, she said? She starts going off on me again. <laughs> She starts like kind of repeating everything. She's like, no, because you need to understand. And she was trying, like trying to school me on things. And at that point, I realized, you know what? This is a lost cause. Like there's really nothing I can do at this point. Um, and she she got riled up again. And Is she yelling? Yeah, she's yelling. Oh, this is great. And I'm like, okay. I was like, all right, well, you have a nice night. Because then they started to leave. And no, it has to be, hey, all right, have a nice life. Uh, have a light life. <laughs> have a light night <laughs> like what do you want me to say and um, Jason is like don't worry about it da, da, da. You, can tell he, you can tell he's annoyed and they leave right and so my friends that were there um, some of them were there for part of the conversation and then some of them were there for all of it but I don't know how much they heard two of my friends were in the bedroom while me and her were talking initially and they're like what happened so I start replaying the whole scenario, right? Because I want them to get the full scope of what went down and how I was so confused. At the point where I got to the story of where I'm telling them, I put my arm against his. They're like, wait, what? And I was like, yeah, I just put my arm up to show him, look, we're almost the same skin tone. She's like, why would you? One of my friends was like, why would you do that? And I was like, I was just showing him that we were similar skin tones. I didn't think that that would be something bigger than what everyone seems to be making it out to be because everyone was kind of responding to me like why like you did something polarizing well like i was coming for them now and so now i'm feeling like on the defense like okay what did i do what's what's your problem now because <laughs> this girl had a problem with me you got a problem with me now and so who's then mad at me right now one of my friends was like um one of my friends who's she's a she's a dark-skinned girl and she said to me, she's like, you know, I had to come out when I heard someone say something about the brown paper bag test. Because I'm like, who is talking about this and why are they talking about this? And so I explained to her why I brought it up. She's like, okay, well, you have to understand. I only heard it out of context. So I was 
I was confused. And I was like, once I heard that you were saying it, I know you. So I know that you weren't saying anything, you know, derogatory or anything like that. But I think that anyone who doesn't know you would be wondering why you were bringing it up. And I was like, I didn't know that that was something I can't bring up. And I was like, I was just simply giving her a school lesson of what was considered light skin back in the day. And she didn't seem to appreciate it. So, <laughs> and so my friends seem affected by the fact that I even brought that up as a barometer. Um, and then, and so I said, you know, so I felt a certain way already because of sin coming at me the way that she did. And then when one of my friends had an issue with me even bringing up the brown paper bag test, I'm like, Am I being insensitive or is this like a problem? And so I was sitting there just really just in a state of confusion. And so I, I went up to my friend at some point and I, I'm like, look, I'm sorry if my words to her offended you. I was like, that conversation between me and her was never supposed to escalate the way that it did. So no one else was really was supposed to hear it enough to be offended. And I'm sorry that you heard it out of a context in a way where you were offended. I was like, I think it's pretty sad and unfortunate that in this day and age, me saying I'm light-skinned has to be taken in a way where someone is automatically thinking, I'm better than them, they are beneath me, I am X, Y, Z things that they are not. And Anyone else who's darker than me can say the same thing about their skin tone and there will not be that connotation. I was like, that's pretty unfortunate. And I was like, I never knew that me saying I'm light-skinned was such a bad thing because all my friends that are darker than me never let me forget that I'm light-skinned. So at the point where it's okay for someone else to make, make a joke about how light I am, how translucent I am, how clear I am, I'm white and this and this and that, it's fine, but let me say that I am this, and it becomes like, oh, what does that mean, you know? Um, so I left that night just feeling so weird, and I was talking to my friend about it on the train on the way back home. I just felt a certain way. And it just led me to wonder, like, since Santana, girl who was affected by everything, it turns out she's not Latina. She is like Trinidadian and black or something like that. And so- How did you find that out? Well, Google. my well, <laughs> no, my friend who was who was hosting the party, I was like, look, I had this discussion with her. I was like, who is she anyway? She's like, oh, that's my coworker. I was like, yikes! I was like, I'm so sorry because I don't want to cause any friction between her and her coworker at work now. Uh -huh. And they had to see each other in the next day. She was like, no, no, she's always she always flies off the handle about something. You just never know with her. Like I don't even have to work with her directly, whatever. And so she's like, yeah, she's like Trinidadian and black. I was like, okay, well, she must have some misplaced anger that she was directing towards me. Where She must have went through something in her childhood for her to feel like she needs to defend herself against someone who was on, like, a, in the same realm of skin tones as her and who was never saying anything about her. Like, she jumped in like she was just ready to fight and she didn't even know what she was fighting for. And so it just made me wonder a lot of things. One, it made me wonder wow, colorism is still affecting us heavily, heavily, to the point where we have to get in disagreements with, with people about things that should never be a, a conversation. Um, secondly, as a light-skinned person, it made me wonder how 
insensitive am I being to my darker counterparts when it comes to skin tone, race, how I talk about it, how I voice it? Did I do something wrong? Like those types of things, because let it be another person who was brown skin, put their arm up against someone else who's brown skin. No one would have anything to say, but it's almost like I felt like I'm being watched with a magnifying glass and it's like, Avia did this and Avia is insensitive to this. And I, it, it just made me feel like, wow. And I'm gonna take it there. I'm gonna take it there. It's almost like light-skinned people are the white people of black people. And the way that I look at it is, I know you're looking at me like, what? Yeah, I don't know what the fuck okay. you're trying to say right now. Okay, so you know how like white people, they'll be very hesitant to say certain things because they don't know what's gonna offend us sometimes. Like you have the white people that just offend us and don't care. And they know that they're being offensive. But then you have the white people that are like, oh, I didn't know that that was offensive. I'm so sorry. Like I didn't realize because they just don't have the knowledge to know that what they said was ignorant or they came off a certain way that affected us or whatever the case is. I almost felt like this is probably how they feel. And it it rocked me because I've never felt like that. I've never been able to put myself in a white person's shoes and be like, wow, okay, this is how they feel, where they feel like they can't talk about this because someone may respond in a certain way. They can't touch on this. They can't comment on this. They have to be very specific with their semantics on how they say things. And I almost feel like as a light-skinned person, I have to do the same thing. And I have been doing that my whole life. Um, and I'm, this is in no way, I don't want anyone to get me wrong. This is in no way of me saying, woe is me, I'm light-skinned. That's this what is my, sounds This like. is my light-skinned struggle. That's, that's what it's going to sound No, like. I, think that, I think that it's important. Just as much as it's important for a, a darker-skinned black person to make their struggles known, I think it's also important to let everyone know that as a light-skinned person, there are certain ways that we must move within our community that they don't have to think about. Yeah, and, and, but but for the most part, you guys are viewed as being privileged, and I there are a that. lot of things that come with that privilege. So I'm not. I don't think anybody's gonna feel woe is me about. I don't want anyone to feel woe is me. I just want so, there to be. There has to be. So I, I want to interject. Go ahead. I've I've heard the story now, mm-hmm. and in theory, I can say this much. Um, I think. Your personality lends itself such that in any situation, you're going to want to have a good time and joke around. And if you can joke around, you're going to do that. Uh, And some people may or may not mesh with that. And in this case, not only did that person not mesh with it, but that person genuinely felt like you were doing something that was blatantly a jab at her. Like I already said that to you. Like she literally thought you were throwing darts and she's like oh you don't fucking throw darts when you're talking to my friend telling my friend not to talk to me or not to agree with me or not to fuck (laughs) with me me. you you don't get to do that you don't get to come in and say that and you're talking about something that you can't necessarily be the expert at because it's objective and but she acted her, like she was the, the expert on it, I know, clearly. And, and from her perspective, it is what makes you a better judge of that than me when I'm his actual friend. That's what I get out of that story. Now, okay. on the flip side, where I can look at both sides of the coin, on one end, I'm going to put myself in her shoes. Mm-hmm. If I'm her and you're saying to me on the flip side, 
as a light-skinned person, I'm feeling like I'm being treated as if I'm white with you guys forcing me to be PC, basically. I would say this much. The reality of it is we're all we're all living in a PC post you being able to say whatever the fuck it is you want era. And with that being said, I've had to figure out a long time ago how I can, as a skinny person, as crazy as this is going to be sound, as a skinny person, what I can and can't say around somebody who's bigger. No, I think that's a and, perfect example. And, 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 perfect example. And, and, here, and here's where I'm coming in with that. I've had friends who are bigger say things to me that I know in reverse, there's 0.0% chance I could say back. I've had a friend say, man, I would never date somebody as skinny as you. Oh, damn. Okay, cool. Thanks. I mean, it's okay for them to and, say and, that. But my, my thing back to her, though, was imagine me saying to you, I could never date somebody as big as you. You think that would be okay? She's like, that's different. And, I, and, and at a certain point, you already know how I feel about double standards. Mm-hmm. I hate double standards. Right. So then I just say, I would appreciate it if you didn't say that to me anymore. Right. Because I know you don't want me saying anything like that back to you. And right. she didn't. She didn't say anything like that back to me. But that is me pushing the energy back out to her because I know for a fact I can't even joke. I can't even play around with weight. And yet you can say demonstratively and and to the to the extreme of I would not date somebody that's as thin as you. Damn. Okay, great. How am I supposed to feel about that after you said it? Um, so I said all that to say each one of us has to do our own level of grounding when it comes down to people of different sizes, people of different ethnicities, backgrounds, or whatever. None of us is gonna always understand culturally what that means to them based on their upbringing. So it does require a little bit more finessing on your end when you're in public and you don't know the personalities that are around you. Because although he didn't react to anything, there's always somebody else that can find something that you said to be either derogatory, polarizing, or inflammatory towards them and their overall well-being. I'm not saying that that's what you were doing, but it's just kind of a precautionary tale to me when it comes down to like real life. This is why my insensitivity comes in. I don't I could honestly care less about that girl personally. I all right, get your life. Well, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> 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 No, I'm just saying like you can come at me how you want to, but at the end of the day, you're going to have to deal with the feelings that you have she's about She's skin, but she's still a dark. Right. <laughs> <laughs> she is. Don't be coming at me barking at me like that. Girl, bye. Um to think I was trying to apologize to her. Because I had to do, I really had to do some soul searching on this. And I was just like, okay, where was I wrong? That's why I had to ask myself, where was I wrong? That girl didn't affect me. Because I, I truly feel like there is some healing that she needs to do on her end from whatever past issues that have happened with her and her skin tone and who in her family's dark light, whatever the case. She has some healing to do on her end, and that has nothing to do with what I said that night. I had more of an issue with my friends, and I didn't want... And these are these are more associate friends than friends' friends, I'll say that. They're not like the people I hang out with every time I go out, and we don't like... What are you laughing at? <laughs> I, think, I think in my mind, 
these these this is this is you having to explain something you don't need to explain. I no, understand. it's not even about explanation. It's about I, having the conversation uh, here because I I I want listeners. I want you guys to chime in on this, and I want to get a sense of how you feel about this. Anything that we talk about in this episode, because I feel like it is such a touchy thing, and it wouldn't be so touchy if we talked about it more, right? Like we hold all this hurt inside of us from things that have happened to us. Okay, from if you our want past. a real dialogue about this, who or anybody to say what what is deemed light skin versus dark skin? I am nobody. No, I'm not saying you. Right. I'm not saying you. I'm saying who is anyone to determine no what that means. No one to determine that. White people determine it by a brown paper bag, and that's what I use as an example. But that's not me saying this is the end all be all. I was just trying to get the girl out the conversation so she could just shut up. But that didn't work. My issue was. My issue was I didn't want my associate friends to look at me as this light-skinned girl with privilege who's unaware of her privilege, who is doing things that are insensitive to us as darker counterparts and who just doesn't understand. In my 30s, I feel like I should come to a point of I should not come off as ignorant to anyone when it comes to this because I honestly have worked so hard, just like in the same way you have with, with weight jokes and everything like that i never i never want to make fun of someone's skin tone that's never like something that i even think of doing if anything i've had to defend myself against other people from my own skin tone but i'm never the person to bring up skin tone in a joking way against someone else that's all i'm gonna say about that i feel like as a person i should be allowed to talk about myself and I should be allowed to talk about my skin tone. I should not have to be like this kept quiet because I don't know how someone's gonna feel about me talking about being light skinned. Um, I just- But that that's you right there. I think this is what you're missing. That's you speaking from a place of privilege. I should be able to say whatever it is I want if, to say. If anyone of any other skin tone no, wants to do the same is, thing, the, that, the, that is, is fine. White people just say stuff like that all the time. I should be able to just say whatever I want, especially now in this era when people are asking people to be more PC okay. and think outside of Let themselves. Let me clarify. I should be able to talk about my skin tone if it is not affecting anything about me saying anything about you. If I'm talking about me, that is not in turn talking about you. And it's almost like the whole saying of like, oh, um, just because you're pro-black doesn't mean you're anti-white. Just because I'm talking about being light-skinned doesn't mean I'm anti-dark-skinned. Like, it, it should not be a thing. And I really don't want it to be. And I, I just think that in the same token, like you're saying about as a, a, a smaller frame person, you can't talk about a bigger frame person. It's almost like the, the same privilege that... I, I just want everyone to realize their privileges. That's all, that's all I want. So dark-skinned people don't think they have a privilege. They don't. From what I've heard, it's only the light-skinned people that think they have a privilege. Dark-skinned people have the ultimate privilege of being able to say what they want without repercussion. And that is the privilege they have. And I never want it to be a, a, a topic about my struggle is worse, my life is worse, my pain is worse, your privilege is more. It doesn't need to be that. I just want it to be, and I feel like if this could be a long, longer conversation, I would want it to be. But 
I feel like when we have these conversations, what we need to do is not assume that we know the pain that someone else has gone through, whether they are light or dark. And I think that there's assumption to be made that someone who is of a lighter skin complexion has not gone through any struggle because of it. And, it, and they have not gone through any pain or hurt because of it. And, and so I ask you, because I talked about me, when it comes to colorism, how has it impacted you? And does it impact men like it impacts women? Because I feel like it's mostly women that have uh, have these things that they've gone through and have to get past. But like, how has it impacted you as a man, if it has at all? I think from a very early age, it impacts. Like, uh, I know that growing up, the way women view my light-skinned guy friends versus how they view me is always going to potentially be different depending on the woman. And I'm fine with all of that. But do they, do they an make adult. like overt commentary um, about that being why they favor your friends over you or? Not, no, it will never be in a, in a comparison. It's yeah. never in a comparison. Okay. It's just, oh, he's light skin with wavy hair. You, you know how that makes me feel. That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Or, um, uh, you know, I, <laughs> this sounds real bad, but you know I like them a little lighter. Like, it's just small stuff like that. I don't, listen, personally, I don't take any of that personally. I I do understand where people will say that's a preference. I am perfectly fine with you saying that that's your preference. On the other end, I also know historically where that all stems from. Mm. Um, So that's a whole nother conversation, but I'm not even going to go that far. But yeah, so even as adults, it still happens. Whether it's via dating apps or it's in person, I see the attention and how women treat my light-skinned guy friends versus my darker guy friends. Now, I'm not saying my darker guy friends have a sudden so much of a harder time, but I've watched women approach my light-skinned guy friends, whereas my dark-skinned guy friends have to literally go approach women. Now, but do you feel like? Do you feel like that actually affects them? Like, have you guys ever one, talked one about of, how one, that affects I, I, them? I will admit this. I'm not going to say any names. Uh, one of them, yes. He's openly admitted that it affects him. He's openly admitted that it impacts the way he views himself. And me wow. and him had a heart-to-heart about that. And I feel a, I, I only feel a way about this because what he described to me made me go, damn, I wish me and you had talked about this a long time ago. I didn't know you were feeling that way. Wow. So what he said is when we go in somewhere and I'm really digging somebody, I go to approach that person. That person flat out is just like, yo, but your friend, though. Like immediately, Hmm. I want to talk to your friend. And it's hurtful because he's like, yo, but I've been talking to you for like five, ten minutes, and we've gotten to know each other, and you're just basically like, I'm like, that could happen to anybody, but he made it very clear, it specifically happens with that guy consistently. And But does that mean it's because they want someone who's lighter skin, or they just like the way that he looks? Both. But that's the thing, it's almost like, it's almost like, well, I mean, how can it be both? How can it not? How can he prove that that's the reason why? How can he prove that they're going for him for skin tone over just his overall aesthetic period. Meaning like if he was that same person, but he was darker complected, that the same thing wouldn't be happening. Ultimately, 
it boils down to, like I said before, if women are beelining to you when you get into a place versus you having to actually be the person that initiates any contact, Mm -hmm. that tells you in volumes where you stand with women. Uh, On top of that, and this is a bigger thing, if you are introducing your girlfriend, female friend, or somebody that you're just interested in to that person, Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden the girl changes how she's responding to him versus how she responds to you, that again tells you where that stuff stays in the paradigm of light versus dark. And I'm not saying that... it should be that way. But what I'm saying is society's already made it that way. And if you're a guy, I hope your parents are pushing you to be as confident as possible and not allow any of this stuff to pollute you. Um, and I also see the same thing happen at work. At work, though, it's different because when I say something versus if somebody who was a lighter skin said the same thing, it would feel less aggressive, less abrasive, less in your face at that person who was lighter complected said it. So how do you how do you gauge that for sure? Like have you done experiments where you Oh, I don't need to do an experiment. I literally can hear them use terms and say things that I can't even get away with saying and then people brush it off. And I'm like, "Damn." And is it with the same light-skinned person or is it just anybody? could do that and you realize you can't like i feel like it takes a lot of observing multiple situations to be able to determine this is what it is you know what i'm saying it's almost like when you experience racism like when someone does something racist and you're like was that a racist thing or was that like the did what they just said to me was that racist did they mean it that way or was it something else you know what i'm saying yeah so it's just like you've gone through multiple situations where you've seen this come into play where someone of a lighter skin tone has said something, but it may have been something that you had said in the past and did not get away with, or people responded to you differently, or? When I say something, and versus, and this has happened with two people, versus when these other two people say something that's very similar, but they would even use more curt language than I was using. It would be, okay, we'll we'll get on that. But if I was to say the same thing, even in the soft way, why are you being like so heavy handed? It's this pushback. And I had to accept like, oh, okay, I get it. Hmm. And that those are st- small things that come with the territory. However, on the flip side, I don't want to raise a kid in the world where they don't accept them for just who they are. Like, language aside, when if you see him, you can't assume he's more aggressive or more abrasive because of his skin tone. And I feel bad that, in part, the society that I'll be raising my children in would look at them as if they're going to be either the aggressor in a situation or someone who would potentially be the one thing bringing the rest of everyone else down based on their skin tone alone. So in in thinking about that, does that affect how you choose the people that you date as far as aesthetically, like what their skin tones are? 
No. Okay. No, but I do think, like, if I have a kid, man, I'm putting them in a fucked up position. Being black in America is all semi. Yeah, but that's what I mean. Anyway, so that's what I mean. Skin tones aside, because, because having a son is just got to be the scariest shit to me. And not that I'm saying that I don't, I wouldn't want a son, but having a son would be the scariest shit to me because I'm really putting a son in a position where anytime he does anything, it could be scrutinized based on historical bullshit. That doesn't really exist and rhetoric that people believe that doesn't really add up. So it's sad. I don't know. Wasn't everything from the hoodie for the Trayvon Martin stuff? Like, oh, don't wear a hoodie outside. Like, I don't want to have to do that. And all that's based on skin tone. Imagine if Trayvon Martin, I don't know, he is the same skin tone as um, me. Yeah. What about. Does um, that happen to him? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I can bring up Emmett Till as an example. Yeah, well, that's even a different time frame. Though. That's a different time frame, but that's he definitely wasn't dark skinned and he definitely got Well, he was not light. If you look at the pictures, he was not light skinned. Okay. Objectively. All right. Like honestly. He was like brown. He was in the middle. Okay. So brown and dark, you're just done for. That's that's basically the way that you view Not it. Not that you're done for, but you have less ability and wiggle room when you're with the majority. Period. That's where I stand on that. I think that um I think that that's an interesting concept because so it's good that you don't actually it's good that you don't actually take your fear about how your son may end up being in this world and use it to guide your dating choices. Because I feel like there's a lot of people who use the fear of someone seeing them a certain way or someone seeing like future sons or daughters a certain way and letting that affect and control their whole life. Um, One of the things I wanted to know is, so your boys, some of your boys go through colorism and it affects them in, in the dating scheme. Do you think that back in the day, white people perpetuated colorism? They created colorism pretty much. I don't agree with you on that. Okay. Well, do you don't think they perpetuated it? Yes, but I don't agree that they created it. Okay. I think. Well, yeah, because a lot of cultures do have colorism. Oh, yeah. And I, I can go Well, I can a lot of color- cultures went through slavery as well, though. So by the hands of white people. So, I mean. I think the caste system is what all this stems from. That that that's a bigger thing, and this is what I was telling you about me going to Asia and just being blown away by everything that I'm learning when I first go to Asia for the first time, and the more information I got, the the worse I felt, genuinely. Mm. And I was like, man, I still haven't been to South Asia, where like India, I haven't been to India, and right? People are darker. Yeah, I've been to the Philippines though, and that's where I heard the the worst of the horror stories, um, but. I think South Asia is dealing with something that the Philippines dealt with and something that China and Japan, et cetera, have dealt with. I bring up the caste system on purpose because the caste system is basically um, creating like discrimination in in ways that was fucked up. So I actually like went back and I found this like piece that I kind of wrote a, a little bit ago 
based on a conversation that I had when I was in the Philippines. Um, and this is something that, like I said, can pass over to kind of Indian culture. The social hierarchy in Asia as a whole uh, stems from religious belief to skin tone. Um, the wealthy in the pre-colonial times were likely to spend more time indoors among their valuable possessions, unlike the less fortunate, the AKA peasants and servants who worked tirelessly under the hot sun were normally darker. This has essentially led to light skin being associated with upper class. Hmm a symbol of wealth and prosperity. Years later, European colonization would happen across Asia and that would influence and of course reinforce the idea of lighter skin, aka a whitewashing, being more desirable and widely accepted. That is the same shit that happened everywhere else. That's not just Asia specific. That has happened everywhere, including the United States. That is why when it comes down to colorism, it's not an easy conversation to have because we talk about it as if it only affects us. It oh, affects them as well. I One know. of the stories that I was told when I was in the Philippines was the kid saying people where he grew up purposely would never, ever play outside. They could only play indoors because they did not want to get any darker than they already were. And if they were to get darker, then their parents would banish them from the home. They would say, hey, you need to go stay with one of the other family members. Wow. That shit fucked me up. Because imagine telling a fucking five-year-old, hey, you can't play outside. And if you do play outside too long, I'm going to send you over to somebody else's fucking house because you're too goddamn dark. What kind of dumbass shit is that? I was about to say, I know black people who didn't play outside anyway because they're afraid of getting too dark. Not the whole banishing thing, of course, but... Yeah, I mean, it trickles over from culture to culture in different ways. Spanish, Chinese, everything. Like, um, I think that, okay, so so back to my original statement. If I, were I to, so boom. I so boom. Back to my original statement. <laughs> if I were to correct it and say that Caucasian, white people, European people have perpetuated the idea of colorism um, to keep it going, who do you think is perpetuating it now? I got nothing. You don't think it's men? Black? In in our own I black got, community. In our own black community. I, I got nothing. Because if you don't I, think if it's I, media. You don't I, think it's I, black cause, men. Cause, you don't think... Who, who is helping here, to perpetuate it now? Here's why I'm saying I got nothing. Because this is bigger than one group. This is a collective. So... I can't be like, oh, it's just more of this people reinforcing it. Because when I was younger, I thought it was just black men having, when it comes down to colorism specifically, I, I look at old rap videos, I look at all that right. stuff, and I was always like, oh, man, black man, we, we, we're pushing this thing where you have to be light, and you have to be like this, and you'd see it from everything, from coming to America, Eddie Murphy's love interest, mm -hmm. light-skinned woman, mm -hmm. Martin Lawrence's show, his love interest. Gina, light-skinned woman. Uh, Dwayne Wayne, different world. Love interest, light-skinned woman. Like, it was 
perpetuated throughout all the things that when I grew up, I saw when I saw black couples, black relationships, all that stuff. And so it was almost deemed the standard. Yeah, but you could look but, at family matters. I, you could look at Fresh Prince. But you I could know, look there, at... But, but bigger than that, I've seen women lighten themselves with everything from skin bleaching to actually using, you know, <laughs> blush that they that doesn't fit their skin tone. And maybe this is because Fenty didn't exist yet. I don't know. I'm not trying to make excuses. But I've watched them lighten their face to the extent that they were doing the things that I heard that Asians were doing. Like, I'm going to make my face lighter to live up to a certain standard. And that shit fucked with me when I was younger. What is going on? And of course, again, all this stuff is handed down. It's it's a ritual, basically, at this point. And it's a part of our society in a way that I wish it wasn't. But I can't just blame one group because as black men, we played into it. As black women, they played into it. Uh, white men may have started it in American in an American sense, but this is beyond just them in this one. Mm. This spans the globe. So it's not just one entity. That's my two cents. What were you going to say about the whole... Um, I know you want to touch on uh, dating. Um, well, This is just proven through statistics mostly. And then I, I can leave it on this note. Um, dating apps have proved out that, you know, women with darker skin are, I think, oh, I can't remember the exact stat, but I know that they were the least likely to get respondents from men in general that liked them or wanted to meet up or go on dates with them, even if they were the person pursuing him, which is fucked up in my mind. So they, you're saying they're the Asian men of the dating apps? 100%. Mm. Even yeah, worse, I think I saw an article about that, actually. E- even worse than that is the fact that black women are stereotyped in a way based on their skin tone. Yet again, the darker you are, the more, yet again, abrasive you're considered. There are all these tropes that live on. It is like, oh, she's going to be snapping her fingers and doing... It's all these stereotypical things that people you know project on you that have that could have nothing to do with your character i think all that shit's fucked up i um i just wanted to i wanted to close with this this experience that i went through and it just like just like that super bowl experience really like opened my eyes to things that maybe i was unaware of or ways that i was coming across i um one night i went to this african concert folly i poopa um, African artist, really, really popular. I had never heard of him until that night, honestly. I was just trying to expand my horizons. Went with my African friends, one you know, well, actually two you know, Nigerian and Ivory Coast um, is where they come from. And the whole time I was at the concert, they had all these shout outs from like everyone who's from Ghana, Nigeria, Sudan, like every single country in Africa you can ever imagine had a shout out. Um, and you know, as an African American woman, I'm used to not having a shout out, even in New York, they will call out every single race, ethnicity, but African American, (laughs) 
Where my Trinidadians at? Where my Jamaicans at? Where my this? And I'm like, dang, I still can't get a shout out. Like, damn. But anyways, um, I digress. Um, so that whole night was kind of like an interesting experience for me because I kind of felt like an outsider looking in. Like I was this African-American person um, engulfed into this African cult concert where everyone knew the words to songs. Everyone knew the culture and the way that the dancers were moving, meaning certain things. And I had to ask a lot of questions. And I just kind of felt like someone who was on the outside looking in, like an audience member of the audience, you know? Um, it was pretty enlightening, but it, you know, I was like, wow, I feel like I really need to expand my horizons when it comes to learning about African culture and just like diving into it. And that's a lot to learn because there's tribes, there's cities, there's everything. Um, so after the concert, we went to Solomon and Cuff. Have you been there? Of course. Oh yeah, we tried to go there at one time after the I've um, been to Solomon right? And okay. Several times. So Solomon and Cuff, for anyone who wants to know, isn't it black owned? I don't know if it's black. Oh, owned, but okay. I don't... Uh, I don't want to say anything else about it. I'm going to leave it at that. But, All right. Yeah. So we went to Solomon and Cuff because that's where the after party was. Solomon and Cuff is like this lounge brunch spot that turns into like a club, lounge, whatever, at night. And it's all the way on the edge of Harlem. And so we went there, and the line was not that long at all. Um, we get there, and one of my friends that I'm with says that her friend is like helping to throw the party. And so she was trying to get in touch with him so that we can get in for free or see if we can kind of like bypass the line or whatever. There's probably like 11 people in line total. And as people came up that were like, I guess on the importance level, they were kind of like strolling through the front and going through the door. And so we were standing in line waiting for her friend to get back to her. And so finally he comes out and he's trying to ne negotiate with the bodyguard who was manning the door and collecting the money how much we would have to pay to get in. And I guess for women, it was like, I think it was like $15 or $20. I don't know how much it was. It was just a lot more for men. So he was like, all right, what about like 15 or whatever? And he was just like, nah, nah, they can't get in for that. And he kept like looking at me and giving me like a certain look. And I didn't really know how, how to read his look. And so finally, my friend's uh, friend who's promoting the party or whatever, he gets it down to like $10. I forget if it was like $10 or if it was free for us to get in. But as soon as it comes to me, he's like, you have to pay this. And so whatever it was that we had to pay to get in or if, or if it was free, I don't remember. It was like a couple years ago. He told me I had to pay twice as much to get in. And I was like, why? He's like, cuz. And I was like, okay and so my friends had already gone through the door and i'm like okay wait y'all like i don't i gotta get this money straight like i wasn't even prepared to pay that much and so then i was like is this like intra-racism because that's the only thing i could think of right why would all my friends get in for free or ten dollars or whatever and why would i have to pay more than that why me out of everyone in this group and at that point where i was thinking that to myself i'm like this can't be this can't be this guy was from New York, definitely just a black dude, wasn't, you know, just a regular Joe Schmo. And I'm like, I think it is, because he's not playing. And so I'm like, I don't even want to go in anymore. I'm like, this is crazy. Like, I have to pay more than them to get into this spot? I had never had that happen to me before. And so I called my friends to come back out, because they, they assumed we all got in. And I'm like, can you guys come get me? Like, I have to pay more, blah, blah, blah. 
And so they're talking to the, the bodyguard and they're like, well, why does she have to pay more and all this other stuff? He didn't give a reason. And so finally he, I think they helped chipped in or something like that. And we got in cause I was ready to go. And they're like, no, 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 come in with us. And so as soon as I stepped in the door, the guy that was staying behind me, he was like, I'm so sorry you had to go through that. And that to me confirmed what my thought was. Because the fact that I can sit here and say, I think he is discriminating against me because I'm light-skinned and me being a light-skinned person thinking that way and the guy behind me not being a light-skinned person and seeing it all play out and seeing that the dude was being a jackass to me on purpose for whatever reason, I was like, wow. I have never, ever experienced that in my life. And maybe that's my light-skinned privilege. I don't know. But I just thought it was crazy the levels of hatred that we have amongst our people as a black community. Like just even in the African-American space, because I know the levels that we have with Africans versus African-Americans and that whole dilemma that we have as far as like understanding each other and everything like that. And, you know, certain people thinking that they're a certain way against other people. But that blew my mind. And um, yeah, I just wanted to put that out there. I just, it was, it was a weird, weird experience that I hope to never go through again. And maybe it's my, my light skin privilege that has led me to get to this experience at this age and have that happen to me in that way. But it's, it's kind of crazy. Um, I just really, I just really want everyone to understand. Everyone goes through struggles. The conversation when it comes to colorism should never be about who's better, who's worse, who goes through the most. I think we just need to get to a point of just understanding each other, being compassionate to each other. I know I wasn't compassionate to that girl in the beginning, but that's because she got me upset. Um, and it wasn't her place, really. That whole conversation was not her place. But um, I think we just have to come to an understanding. I think we have to be willing to listen. I think we also have to come to a point as adults to heal whatever issues have been triggering us our whole life. And we can't be bound to those issues. We can't let that trigger the conversation that I had with since Santana earlier in our story. We can't let our, our wounds control us. Like really, at some point we have to heal from that and we have to move past it. And we have to find the way to do it, whether it be therapy, whether it be coming to terms with who we are and how we feel about ourselves, whether it be having those hard conversations we don't want to have against the people that have wronged us or, or treated us a certain way. That has to happen. People cannot just be lashing out against people because of the triggers that they have that have been following them around their whole lives. And I just hope that we all come to a point where we can, I don't know, just come together. Like really, we already have other races that don't like us. The last thing we need is for us to not like us. And that's it. All right, now uh, to the final piece of the show. Um, this is the do's and the... Don'ts. Oh, there you go. I'm gonna start off with the do and then Avia's gonna finalize this with the don't. So guys, I'm talking to you as I always do. The do, the do for today is if you are in a relationship or you are going towards being in a relationship, 
I think we we now live in a society where men are for some odd reason afraid to show forms of affection and or gestures publicly. But it doesn't need to be something big. Guys, do express small public gestures of affection. Most women don't want all the extra PDA shit in public because it can make them potentially uncomfortable or queasy. But they do love a guy who will grab their hand on the street or give them a quick peck on the cheek or just a little nudge here or there just to say, hey. A nudge? You know, like a little... Hey girl. Slap that ass. Oh, I did not say that. That is that is not the advice that I'm giving That's guys. That's the nudge we want. This, wow. I'm just kidding. Shit. Thank you for bogarting that. Sorry. Uh, yeah. With that being said, uh, just try to show a little public affection occasionally. You don't need to touch their ass. Obvious, but don't. Uh, don't do what I just did. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now it's time for the don't, <laughs> ladies. Um, once you get into a relationship, just re- just don't forget who you are. You get into this relationship, you get so wrapped up in this guy who is your your dream man, MCM, MCE, whatever you want to call it, and you go on trips, you meet his family, you get engulfed into his family, you you and his sister become best friends, you and his mom. She's like the mom you never had. You're the daughter she never wanted. Whatever. Like, (laughs) you need to keep your life and your hobbies. Don't get so engrossed into this man and his life and who he's around and who his friends are that you just forget your own. Because the reason why he was attracted to you in the first place was because you had your own. And you had your own going for you. So just don't get lost in the sauce. All right, and just like that, that is the end of our show. You should be hearing the music. You can catch us on Google Play. You can check us. You can catch us on the iTunes. <laughs> iTunes and you can probably catch us on Twitter and